0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this edition of Turbulence. We are back. Hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving as the holidays are now right around the corner as we approach the month of December. I am Jack White alongside my partner in crime, George Shalloway. George, happy belated Thanksgiving. What'd you do, my friend, over the holiday?
1: Well, I was fortunate enough to be able to you know have a nice thanksgiving meal i had a good turkey it was a uh, very tasty this year got to watch some some good football upset that the steelers and ravens game was postponed until tuesday i was looking forward to watching that but i got to watch a surprising wft come up with a win so that was something uh, exciting the washington football team for those that don't know the acronym but yes that's well, what i did for uh, thanksgiving
0: likewise you know i got i was very happy to get to see uh, the wft Uh, move into first place in the NFC East. I know some games, in particular, the Giants are tied with the Bengals as we speak. So we'll see how the standing shakeout um, come the end of the day. Um, But yeah, oh my gosh. I don't know if it's just me, dude, but I sometimes feel like leftovers for holiday food taste better than the original. I don't know what it is, but I, I think I had more turkey than I did on Friday than I did on Thanksgiving I don't know what it is. I think it's just like that hangover of just absolutely wanting to devour, devour the turkey. I I have no idea what it is. But on that note, a lot, a lot, a lot of Terrapin uh, sports went on. In that time span over the holidays, the UMD women's basketball team is currently 1-1, and looking to move to 2-1 and today in the Beach Bubble Showcase tournament down in Estero, Florida, as they take on the number 14 Arkansas Razorbacks, who are currently 3-0 on the season, an offensive powerhouse of a team. Maryland suffered their first loss yesterday to the Missouri State Lady Bears, 81-72, to and they won their opening game on last Friday against Davidson. So it will be interesting, as the men, George and I were talking about before we got live on the air, air here, they are off to a phenomenal start, clicking on all cylinders. They are 2-0 and on the season. In a half hour, they will be tipping off at Xfinity Center, taking on the Mount St. Mary's Mountaineers, looking to move to 3-0 and on the season. Now, George, what's the hot take for that game, in your opinion?
1: Well, I'd like to see if the second-half performance of the game against Navy continues over against uh, Mount St. Mary's because the second half, they were phenomenal. They were shooting lights out. They were playing good defense. And as you said, they were clicking on all cylinders. So Maryland has been known in the last couple years recently to get off to slow starts. So it'd be interesting to see if they, again, uh, you know, have a little bit of their Turkey Day hangover, if you will, a little bit later over than, uh, than if they did on Friday, because they started off slow on Friday against Navy. But let's see if they can start off uh, quickly and hot this week or today against uh, Mount St. Mary's. And before we continue to dive more into the subject... I have a
0: terrapin trivia question for you, my friend. Now, here we go. Brace yourself for this bad boy. Last year, the Lady Terrapins under Brenda Freeze went on a 17 game win streak. They took that to 18 games when they beat Davidson last Friday. And as you know, they lost to the Lady Bears yesterday, ending that 18 game win streak. What team did Maryland lose to prior to that 18-game win streak in 2019? So I will give you the show to think about that. Thank you. It was, it was For those of you who don't know, aside yesterday's loss to the Lady Bears, that was the last time. What an accomplishment by the Terps, but that was the last time they lost a basketball game. So, George, I will give you the entire show to have that in the back of your head and give me an answer before we conclude. I will. Thank you. I'm, I'm, my wheels are, are turning in my head right now as we speak. I can, I can see. I can see the eyes rolling. Things are spinning. I like to see that. Now, George, you and I talked about on the last episode, which seems like forever ago because of the holiday, we were talking about how certain guys like Andrew Wiggins and uh, Eric Ayala and Daryl Morcel had to step up and take place in the role for guys like Sticks and Anthony Cowan Jr. Now, Eric Ayala led all scores the opening game at Xfinity Center and he also brought his basketball IQ and leadership on display yesterday. Do you like what you're seeing out of that big three so far?
1: I do. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed that Aaron Wiggins didn't score anything in the first half against Navy, and then he went on a a tear in the second half. So, again, I mean, that was reminiscent of, you know, Anthony Cowan. On games he wouldn't score at all in the first half and then tear it up in the second half. So it's been done before in Maryland basketball recently, but – Again, when we play, not taking anything away from Navy, but Big Ten opponents, you need to have that kind of production throughout the game. You can't just have it in one half and not the other, or you'll, you'll take a few losses. So a little bit nervous on that. But again, Galen Smith had a great performance and was an offensive scorer that I was not expecting to see. Um, again, he's only about 6'9", so he's not a, a huge center in the big 10 there are there are seven footers that's what we have you know our seven two man and Chol, who has been playing better than he had last season but we still need to see a little bit more out of him but again it's it's still early um but but no i think that for the first couple of games for for some real live action the terps haven't been that bad but again it's still really really early and i'm interested to see a little bit more what happens because, I mean, as you've been watching the games, Turge has been doing those, you know, five-person rotations, which obviously won't really continue um, throughout the season when we play, you know, in the Big Ten Conference games. So I'm interested to see what the rotation will develop into and kind of how they're all going to, you know, click and gel together. But, um, you know, you were at the game on Friday and you called it for WMUC Sports. And I, I got to ask because I couldn't watch the game because it wasn't televised on BTN plus, which I do not have. But I have been to my fair share games at the Xfinity center. And I'm, I'm curious. I haven't heard this yet. You've been waiting to tell me and I'm sure that our listeners want to hear too. How different and odd was it being in the Xfinity center, watching a game with no fans in a, you know, arena that is loud and packed and energetic with none of that there How do you think it will now affect the team after you were able to finally see it? How does it change home games in the Xfinity Center going forward? Well,
0: that's a great question. You know, going there, you're there to do a job. And I was there and it was so hard to focus on that job because all you can see is the obvious. The Xfinity Center is known for its student section, its chaos, its flash mobs, its blackouts, its whiteouts, it's wild you know having the flag just you know roaring down the wall um it was very cool that they were able to have the Maryland flag just kind of sit and be tied on the wall um so that was very cool I got to you know view that the entire game as I was broadcasting it so they do that Um,
1: like they do for the women's games normally it was that kind of
0: setup exactly exactly and but it it was it was weird, you know. I'm I'm rotating my body 360 degrees where I'm where the media is set up, and there's not a soul. All there is is media and the athletes on the court. Did they so, put in
1: crowd noise, or was they, there no crowd so, noise?
0: Yeah, that's 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 a good question. So they did put in crowd noise. There was already set crowd noise on the jumbotron throughout the stadium, and that was honestly weird. You you don't it's a lot more normal when you're watching it at home on TV mm-hmm. because it seems normal. It seems like there are people there, but when you're there actually kind of embracing the action front and center, it's awkward. It's a little it's a little weird and I can't even imagine being a player or a coach when that's going on. You might feel a little like okay, this is just ridiculous. Can we turn this off? Like we're trying to focus on a basketball game. There's no one here. This is absurd.
1: What do they do for the entrances? Were there the the video that plays before normal games and the lights cut off? Did they do that or was it so, yeah. just like checking at the scorers table? How'd that work?
0: The, the starting lineups were the same. However, they did not bring out the giant M at mm-hmm. center court. There were no fire. There was none of that. They eliminated that. Um, they did play the song turbulence as the game progressed that went off and they played the good old Maryland video, like get up, get on your feet. I did appreciate, you know, the media, um, and all the production crew did a great job in trying to keep it as normal as it possibly could doing it in a safe manner. They did a heck of a job. I definitely tip my cap off to everyone that was in charge of that. Um, and who will be in charge of that throughout the, throughout the duration of this crazy season. Um, but In short, George, to answer your question, I mean, Maryland is hopeful that in 2021, they will have an opportunity to maybe allow fans a limited amount, at the very least, in the stadium. Um, Students, alumni, families, I have no idea how they're going to do it. Um, But no, it's, it's, it's an awkward environment. And you're so used to calling a game when you're there, you know, I don't know if you remember this play or saw the highlight, but Daryl Morcel gave a reverse dunk. And all I could think was like, I mean, this place would be going nuts if there were students here. This place would be on fire. This place would be erupting. The stadium would be shaking right now. And it's just, you're, tr- you're trying to keep that intensity. That, that's kind of the job as a broadcast. You really got to keep everyone alive and focused who's listening in. And it's not the easiest thing in the world to do because, you know, sometimes that's what the fans, that's their job to keep it entertaining and keep things interesting and electric throughout the stadium. But it's going to be interesting. Um, You know, we've talked about this many times, this virus is changing every day. It's mysterious. It, you know, its no mercy. Uh, We have no idea what's going to happen as time progresses can be nothing but hopeful and optimistic that things will become normal as soon as possible. but, but, the bottom line is, it's it's definitely an experience I'll never forget. It was my first call at the Xfinity Center, and there was not a soul in the stands, and it it, it definitely it, it definitely at first before that's why you know I'm very happy you know they make us get there insanely early because I was kind of had everything prepared, had all my notes, but at the same time I I didn't really know how much the emptiness would affect my my mentality like geez louise I'm, i just I, why aren't there people here like this is ridiculous and you know it definitely caught me off guard at first but then you know the, all the intense music is going on like five, 10 minutes before the games they introduced the starting lineups you know it was kind of crazy when i didn't hear uh cowan or sticks sure. name that was that was a little that not to mention that also kind of uh caught me off guard a little bit there because not used to not hearing them come out in the court but it was definitely um it was definitely interesting, but during the turbulence video, uh, you know, they're giving the good old, I got Marilyn pride. You got, you know, you got Kevin Herter, you got Bruno Fernando, you got Gary Williams, you got all these guys on the jumbotron. And it was cool that cause they added Cowan and they added, Oh, Stead. they did.
1: Oh, they that's awesome. Cowan and
0: stick. So those guys are definitely going down as legends, um, uh, in a Terp uniform for sure. So that was very cool to see. Um, I took some videos to keep with me. Uh, for as long as I live, because it was, like I said, it was an experience I'll never forget.
1: Now, I just got two final questions about that. Number one, were you able to stare up at that Big Ten championship banner and think, wow, first time I've ever seen that. Hopefully, there are many more to come. Did you get to see the banner?
0: So, I did get to see the banner. Um, it was it was definitely something, while looking at it, you know, I was kind of in awe, because when typically when I go to the Xfinity Center, I really get mesmerized by – the amount of the amount of just the history the history mm-hmm. with this team the amount of final fours the amount of sweet 16s they've been to yet they've only won one national championship so which is just to this day mind-blowing to me with the amount of amazing athletes that have come through that program um but i did see the banner and you know like you, like you, I'm sure the day all the players came back to get their big 10 rings. Um, that's kind of what was going through my head. Like I felt so bad for those players. I'm sure they wished there were students in the stands when that happened, when that occurred, uh, rightfully so they played very hard last season to get those rings. And, you know, we can dive into the whole unfinished business, but Mm -hmm. that's what they're focused on this year, getting back to that same place and beyond, um, um, depending on, you know, what COVID decides to do, (laughs) But, you know, uh, looking at that banner was definitely a, a insane moment because I was like, man, this, this happened just last year. And if it weren't for COVID, I'm, I, you might be looking at a different kind of banner up in the stands. Exactly.
1: But yeah, That's and, awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking also at those retired numbers, I, 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 I think to myself, you know, am I going to see a retired number 23 up there? Am I going to see a retired number one, a, a 25, a number three? it's all the guys I've grown up watching um, in the black and gold and, you know, stuff that goes through your head. You, you begin to become more aware George when there are no fans there. Mm-hmm. Um, you begin to really, really look around and see what's around you and see what's going on when you don't have the chaos of screaming students and fans all over the Xfinity center. Cause like I said, that's what they're known for. Best well, face in college basketball.
1: Well, that brings you to the second question. Then we can move on from the, from the subject, but, Maryland obviously has one of the biggest arenas in the Big Ten with the Xfinity Center. Do you think that with them not having the fans, they've completely lost, you know, home court advantage, or does it still look intimidating from being, you know, you were basically on court side and seeing the whole empty gym with all the history, as you were saying, around, does it still have a little bit of a home court advantage or is it completely lost without the crazy student section and everything? I was just wondering what you thought after being there and watching the game. Yeah, that no that's place. a great question.
0: Um when I was there UMD they came out they they came out um very slowly. Um they seemed very nonchalant and tired. Old Dominion really hung around for a while. The Monarchs played a really really nice first half. Um but then come the end of the second half I think is that's when the switch flipped. Um and they didn't they didn't stop the rest of the second half. The Monarchs got outdueled on all phases of the game. Um and that's because, George, I think that's the automated sound system they've got going. It, uh, that's what makes it, you know, have that home court advantage feel. Mm-hmm. And if you ask me, being someone that's, you know, trying to talk over that, that noise coming throughout the arena, I don't think, no, I really don't think um, home court has been taken away due to the lack of fans because of COVID. The bottom line is it's up to the players, it's really up to the players. They are the home court. They are the fans of their team now. It's up to them to come out and play with a lot of intensity and with a lot of heart, and they've done that both games. They've done that. They've done a phenomenal job in both games, winning both games significantly against their opponents. And, you know, you and I talked about a few weeks ago. I expect nothing less but the Terps to start the season 5-0. and uh, They've got um, Division II in uh, a couple – Division three, I, I think, opponents coming up. Three games left before they take on uh, Clemson uh, down in South Carolina. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how they respond on the road. I'm, I'm starting to get curious about that as well because mm-hmm. you know I, I've I've had the pleasure of getting to experience what a game like is at College Park with nothing but media and basketball players there. So it's it's definitely a new uh, crazy experience. Um, but I think the Terps. You know, And they've had, the, they've had the pleasure, and you get this pleasure by respecting and responding to the COVID protocols. Since they have done that, along with the women's basketball, I'd like to tip my cap to them as well because they've done a phenomenal job doing that, you get the opportunity to practice with your teammates and you get the opportunity to work at your craft in an empty stadium with the noise that you're going to hear in a game. So you get that game experience as crazy as that sounds. Cause you know, you, you, you hear that expression all the time. You don't get game experience in practice. You get it in a game. That's how you get better. But in this case, it's a little different. There's, there's two sides to the coin for this argument. So the bottom line is no, I think the Maryland Terrapins due to their uh, high play, their great training um, and being very, very uh, hungry for this season after the way the 2019 2020 season turned out. Um, they're, they're ready to go, and the home court advantage has not been taken away. COVID has not done that to them.
1: Well, I hope that the women's basketball team can use some of that home court advantage too so they can get back on track when they get home in College Park, and hopefully they can first knock off Arkansas later today. It would be nice to get a little revenge on Destiny Slocum after she transferred out of the program a couple of years ago too, so definitely have my eye out on that one. I'm excited to see what they can do down in Estero today.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, speaking of women's basketball, I mean, they came out swinging against Davidson on Friday uh, with a heck of a win. But Coach Freeze and um, some of the players yesterday were definitely a little disappointed um, of the inconsistency that went on. They, they outscored the Lady Bears 43-32 to 32 in the first half. And then got out-dueled 23-9 to nine in the third quarter. And that's just where things started to take a slide. They got punched uh, all throughout the second <laughs> half. They made a valiant effort in the fourth to try and come back. But the Lady Bear shot over 65% from the floor in the fourth quarter. And, you know, Coach Freeze said it the best. She, she basically put it, you know, this is a young group. Um, they're still working to gel together, and that's the most important thing. You got a trio of transfers – um, that have come in, um, including grad transfer, uh, Katie Benson from Harvard, and you got a f- um, Chloe Bibby with Final Four experience uh, coming from Mississippi State. So it's, it's definitely it's a new group. This is not what we saw last year. And if they want to make a run at that Big Ten again, they're going to have to really, really find that chemistry, find that, that equilibrium where all their talents are going to mesh together because I've seen some incredible things so far from Diamond Miller and Angel Reese. And that's definitely great. you love to see those young players mm-hmm. um, really showcase their abilities and their talents early in the season. And, but what I love though, having the opportunity to talk to some of these young ladies is they know they're better. They, they, they know they're just, these are silly mistakes. These are fundamental errors. They know they should be two and zero right now, but it's early in the season. And I'm saying that as a fan, Nothing to get too worried about yet. It's a long season, and I'm do- notably aware, and I'm sure you are too, George, they have the talent to
1: win another Big Ten title. Exactly, and plus, as you mentioned, this wasn't you know, a Big Ten loss, so there's still neutral and O in the Big Ten, so they got plenty of time to get back on track, to have some more practices, some more game experience, and I'm not too worried about this. I think this is a wake-up call um, for our Terps that – you know, teams are out to beat you. When, you're, when you have the history and the program that Maryland does, everyone circles you on the calendar. Everyone wants to beat you. So I think that now that, you know, with as you say with the young players, you know, Angel Reese and everyone else, they know that, hey, they're coming after you. Even though you might be down at the half, they're going to come out swinging. They have nothing else to lose. And maybe, you know, uh, as a freshman when she was in high school, teams would kind of cower at the fact that she was the number two overall player in the entire country in the senior class. And now, you know, the rest of the Terps have to kind of buckle down and realize that, you know, no team's a walk in the park anymore. So uh, I think that it might be, a, 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 you know, a blessing in disguise that they had an early an early blunder in this season. But I'm, I'm excited to, you know, see more of your work as, you know, you're the, the beat writer for the women's basketball team for WMUC sports so I enjoy all those recaps especially when they weren't on TV I was able to you know feel like I, I was able to watch the game with some of those stories so thank you.
0: Oh of course I, I love every minute of it it's an honor to get to work uh, for WMUC sports and uh, get to know a little bit better the the players and uh, Coach Brenda Freeze she's I mean she's a future Hall of Famer it's an absolute pleasure to get to talk to her um, before and after every game day so that's fantastic but speaking of the turps, George you know they were – their football team, let's transfer a little bit, they were hot. They, they were 2-1 and one on the season. They came out, lost 43-3 to three to the Northwestern Wildcats. It looked ugly. It almost – in my mindset, I got to be completely honest, it almost looked like your typical Maryland season, winning three or four games. At, Ooh, at shots
1: the, fired right there.
0: The, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess it was just my instincts kicking in and then all of a sudden – you go out at home, homecoming game, the, 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 the switch flipped. You know, yep. They took down a powerhouse of an offense in Minnesota, won by a point, 45-44. Then the big victory of the season, without question, on the road against Penn State, putting up 35 against them. And then yesterday, it, it, it looked like they hadn't played in three weeks, George. They lost 27-11 to to the number 12 team in the country in Indiana, And you and I talked a little bit before going on the air here that Indiana might be number 12 due to COVID. Do you think that's the case or do you think Indiana, they're the real deal?
1: Well, I think that the Michael Penix that we saw yesterday was not the same Michael Penix that dotted up the Ohio State secondary. I mean, he threw for almost 500 yards against uh, Ohio State and then, He, his biggest completion throughout the first half was on an offsides that Maryland jumped and he just threw it up into double coverage and, and his receiver hung on to the ball. So he was, he was definitely inaccurate and wasn't at all what I remember about seeing him or even last year when he came to college park, he got hurt in that game and had to come out and Peyton Ramsey ended up finishing the Terps out, but, but he didn't look all that crisp yesterday. And I was honestly surprised to see that, you know, he let the Terps stick around, even though the Terps weren't able to capitalize on a lot of some decent field position. They were able as you know, they drove down the field pretty well. And then, you know, off the first possession, Talia misses a wide open Dante Dimas in the back of the end. So that could have been, you know, seven nothing right there to start the game. Terps have some momentum, completely different game than, you know, having Petrito misses 29 yard field goal. Uh, and it's 0-0 zero, zero after the first drive. Then Maryland gets a three and out. Go back down there. Again, there's an open Dante Demas, you know, t- on the two-yard line, if he if he caught that pass, it threw to the front of him. Could have been a, a walk-in touchdown. He throws it behind him. That gets intercepted. Now you have some doubt. Uh, the defense, though, played great in the first half, holding, you know, a very explosive Indiana team to only, you know, seven points. It was seven three at half. You know, you're having a thought that, you know, Maryland, okay, come out, get a stop on defense again. You get the ball back, you go and score. It's a completely different game. Now you're up. Uh, Unfortunately, that didn't happen. You know, Indiana just completely controlled the entire third quarter with clock. Maryland had no, you know, negative five yards that entire quarter um, and, and really started putting in, you know, the nail in the coffin. But it was difficult after, you know, that safety that Talia took on a read option RPO style play, you know, not only do they get the two points, they also get the ball back again after that. So now it's nine six and it was tough. You know, we hope Michael Penix is is okay. He didn't return to the game with his injury. He, when he went out on the sidelines, um, I'm not sure if it, if it was, you know, serious or they were up by enough that they had confidence in their transfer quarterback from the university of Utah. But, you know, hats off to Indiana. They, they beat a, a Maryland team, but, you know, this isn't the same Maryland team that beat Minnesota and beat Penn State with, you know, 23 guys missing, including, you know, we didn't have Rakeem Jarrett, who had that stellar performance against Penn State, did not have, you know, Jake Funk, who rushed for over 200 against Minnesota, didn't have Jayshon Jones on offense, who had that explosive, you know, 75-yard slant RPO against Minnesota, and, you know, when you have those three guys on the offense out, along with some of your starting linemen, it's tough to, to have that consistency on offense. And then on defense, you know, Nick Cross was out. Uh, Nick Cross, you know, against Penn State, had an interception. Forced fumble. I mean, he was, he was really starting to ball out after. Oh, I mean,
0: the, the studs for this mm-hmm. Terrapin team, they weren't out there. Exactly. It, it's really going to be interesting to see um, how the committee – of the NCAA addresses this with the college football playoff and bowls on the near to distant horizon in January. Um, and I'm really, I'm, I'm fascinated because I believe right now might be a stretch to say this, but I really believe when healthy Maryland is a, is without a doubt a bowl eligible team.
1: Well, and, I don't know if you saw the most recent bowl predictions, but Maryland was projected to go to two different bowls because one person picked one and one picked, picked the other. Uh, the two that they predicted were, I know that you're a, a big fan of Arizona, so they, they might be going out to Phoenix uh, for the guaranteed rate bowl against uh, Kansas State, okay. or they might go down to Charlotte, another one of your of your favorite cities, for the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Might have to switch from Hellman's if they can win the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, but but they're projected to go to some bowls. I mean, it's just different when, when the team's healthy versus not healthy. I mean, in your opinion, I think that the biggest uh, player that we missed yesterday was Jake Funk. Just, I mean, Penny Boone had a good game. Isaiah Jacobs had a good game, but just for the senior leadership to help out on the pass protection and just to be a more, uh, you know, two-dimensional team, who do you think was the biggest key player to miss for the, for the game?
0: Well, I was, I was gonna, I'll um, compliment what you just said. It's Jake Funk. Um, A couple of weeks ago, I told you that, the biggest X factor uh, this season for the Terps has to be Penny Boone because you can't rely on Jake Funk all season long to be the horse. And I think what happened yesterday, Penny Boone, I'd say he had a subpar game. I know he can be better. I think he would tell you he could do better. But you can't put all the weight and the pressure on the young uh, Talia. You can't, you can't do that, especially on the road against a power five ranked team. That's, that's just That can't happen. You need a balanced attack, and that's not what we saw yesterday. There were a little bit of tastes in there, like we saw against Northwestern early in the season. The first drive really, really looked great, and I won't beat a dead horse. Uh, George, you already kind of uh, referenced and talked about all the things that went south that should have never gone south, which kind of uh, set this Terps team back yesterday. And you can't do that against a ranked team, no matter how well they play. What I did like to see, though, what was encouraging, there's always something that, whether you believe this or not, there's always something that comes out of a a loss that's encouraging that you got to run with. And I believe that defense played pretty well yesterday. I really do. I know that in total they gave up 27 points. I'm very aware. And – 11 points is not going to win you games, especially in the Big Ten. That's just, that's, that will not happen. However, at the end of the first, their offense wasn't doing anything. It was seven to three. They were making things happen on the defensive side of the ball and allowing their offense to get back out there and give them opportunities, and they never did. They, it, nothing really clicked yesterday on offense. It wasn't balanced. There was no balanced attack. Uh, Talia didn't have his best game. Um, I want to tip my cap off to Talia, though. For a young sophomore, he has done an incredible job in owning his mistakes to the media. Um, He's done a phenomenal job in really stepping into that leadership role. And that's not easy to do because earning your team's respect as a young quarterback isn't easy. And he has done that without question from my perspective. And I definitely tip my cap off. And I think things will turn around as you and I will talk about a little more on Thursday, George, against Michigan and coach Harbaugh, because my, my good God, that team is struggling. I would not be surprised if
1: Harbaugh is out of a job at the end of this season. Well, I agree. He might be out of a job. The Lions job just opened up and that's not too far from Ann Arbor. So he doesn't yeah, have to have that far of a move. I wonder, if, that far to, I wonder move. if Harbaugh is going to take a drive uh,
0: at the end of this season, a little North.
1: I don't know, but, uh, I disagree with you on one thing that you said. I thought that Penny Boone had a pretty good game for what okay. he was dealt with with a beat up offensive line due to COVID. He didn't have all of his starters. I thought he he really was out there, you know, trying to put the team on his back both literally and figuratively. You know, he was dragging defenders with him. He was hurdling defenders on the sidelines. I thought he gave his all. I, I can't slack him. He's really improved since that, you know, fumble on the one yard line against Minnesota. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought that he, that he's, I mean, again, he's still also a, a true freshman. So I thought he had a pretty good game for his first big-time road game that he got some – I know he got carries in against Penn State, but this was the first time he played a ranked team on the road. I thought he performed admirably for a young guy. So I don't really think that it was all on, on Penny Boone. Um, I think that, you know, when you're just – when you're not really performing that well in the pass game, when Maryland is a pass – heavy offense with that RPO style and we had a lot of drops that I mean I don't even know how many drops they had but it had to have been at least five on you know crucial third down conversions when they were wide open and oh Talia might have thrown a little nice bit poker, high or right. a little bit low but they were catchable balls you know in the hands of the receivers or within within grasp and you know when you struggle like that on third down it puts a lot of pressure on the team and it was it was definitely a tough pill to swallow. I was really thinking that, you know, we could finally knock, them, knock out a top, you know, 15 team on the road, and especially, you know, after Kirk Herbstreet and David Pollock picked Maryland as their super dogs in college game day, and Talia had that featured story with Maria Taylor, I was really confident that, you know, maybe, just maybe we could have, you know, a Thanksgiving miracle and, you know, get a little bit of a, an upset and maybe catch Indiana sleeping a little bit. And we did, we did catch them sleeping. They were not nearly as crisp as at least I thought they were going to be. I thought this was going to be a shootout, you know, a really high offensive scoring game with not a lot of defense and it didn't really turn out that way. So it's interesting, as you said, you know, on Thursday, when we get back to our normal uh, episode schedule, we'll cover Michigan and, you know, they're looking weak. They lost to a, you know, a winless or yeah, they lost to a winless Penn state team on Saturday. So Things are not looking so good up in the big house up in Ann Arbor. but
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I think heads are rolling at this point in Ann Arbor, and I think they're going to have to figure some things out before the 2021 season arrives. Now, before we end our show here, a few things just want to bring up, some highlights that happened over the holiday weekend. Phil Mickelson, Charles Barkley, they took the match yesterday out in the desert, taking down Steph Curry and Peyton Manning. Now, George, you sent me a funny text. It, if, I'm telling you, I mean, if Peyton's a five and Steph is a plus one, I, I'm a scratch. I mean
1: yeah. – I've seen you shoot day. 75 before, so definitely call yourself a scratch. I mean, I mean that was it, some sloppy golf. There were so many – I was surprised by how many drives were going OB and from Steph and Peyton. I mean, if you're a five and a plus one, it's fine. If you don't hit, you know, 14 fairways, that's okay, but – be in the rough, be in a bunker. Don't be OB in some guy's backyard. I thought that was crazy. It
0: didn't make sense to me. I mean, you got to love the commentary and hear these guys jaw back and forth on the network. That's great. But it it, it was either really good or just insanely bad. And it was more bad than good for sure. Mm -hmm. For three of the four golfers, I think lefty definitely handled himself well, obviously. I mean, he's the professional out there and he, he, he played, he played well. He's the reason I think, uh, Barkley was on the winning team, obviously. So he's the reason I think uh, they won yesterday. But nonetheless, just hot take. Don't need to dive too much into this. Who's better, Barkley, Brady?
1: Oh, man. I'll say this. Tom Brady still finished the whole 18 holes.
0: He did. He made it the distance.
1: Barkley didn't have to play all 18 holes. So for that reason, I'll give the edge – to TB twelve, okay, down in Tampa Bay, you know, but I, they, neither one was really pretty to watch on television. It was more comical than it was great golf, and that's what everyone wanted to see. So I know, I'm interested I feel to like- see, you know, if Justin Thomas has to actually now get a free uh, steak dinner from, from Barkley because they had that bet with the Iron Bowl. So I'm interested to see if that really happens.
0: They did have that bet, and that you'll probably see that on social media within the next few days if uh, uh, JT actually follows through on that. So that will be interesting. But otherwise, you know, the match really is – it's pure entertainment. It, I, I am a little disappointed about that because it seemed like when match one, the vintage match, Tiger and Phil – a couple of years back when that happened i really really did believe that okay like this is going to be a competitive really fun event for years to come and i don't know i don't know if it's just me but it's it it feels like it's turned into like a reality tv show almost
1: yeah i mean that one was they were playing for you know 10 million dollars of of cold hard cash out in in vegas where you know that's where people bet all that kind of stuff so it was crazy but the last few matches have been for charity. So there's a – not saying that you know they're not trying as much, but it's a little bit different for them when they're playing for a different cause than playing for themselves, and you can have a discussion about that a different day. But also when you don't have an actual professional golfer, I know Steph's played in some tournaments in the past, but he's not Tiger Woods, who's been in the other two. And, you know, I thought that, you know, if it wanted to have out in Arizona, maybe it'd have a guy that's out in Arizona like John Rahm play, which would have been interesting to watch because, you know, he's a younger guy now who's not up and coming because he's been around for a few years now, but he still has, you know, yet to reach his stride. You know, he's still trying to have a couple breakthrough big wins. So... Oh, I'd love to see the two Sun Devils go at it.
0: Bill and Rahm, that'd be interesting. So I was
1: thinking something like that. I mean, when we got to see the... Uh, the tailor-made drive relief when, you know, it was the Oklahoma State guys with, you know, Ricky Fowler and Matt Wolf against, at the time, world number one Rory McIlroy and, you know, now Masters champion Dustin Johnson, who's now the, you know, world number one. That was a really good match. That was for charity, but that was much more competitive because they were all, you know, professionals out there. So Oh,
0: yeah. I loved how the PGA really implemented those charity events throughout the season this year. Um, due to COVID and, you know, kind of raising some money for sure. And I hope honestly, you know, whether they're going to continue to do it for charity or just for fun, I really hope they continue that. Cause I don't know about you, but that kept me entertained, you know, just having the pleasure as a golf fan to get to watch sports on television, live sports.
1: I agree. I mean, I was still waiting for that trademark remark by Phil after the first match when it was dark out there. And, you know, they had to turn the stadium lights on to that. You know, I don't really want to win this way. I, I don't want to win this way. Let's go back to the T, Tiger. I was, I was hoping that, you know, there was going to be some of that stuff, but didn't get any of that at Lefty. But, you know, he said that he had to wear his shorts so that everyone could see his calves. So that was kind of funny.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, he, you know, he whipped out the mad calves. I wasn't surprised by that out in the desert. Nice, nice weather there. And, you know, everyone else looked looked really nice. But I, I noticed towards the end, though, he did have to put on the pullover. He yep, did. I it it seemed like it was getting pretty, pretty chilly. But, you know, nonetheless, congrats to to CB and Lefty for taking the match, taking down Steph and Peyton uh, yesterday. Or, yes, a couple. Yeah. Was it yesterday?
1: It was on Friday.
0: It was on Friday. It was on Friday. Yeah, man, so much has been going on lately on Friday. So, and I for sure, I think I speak for the both of us here when I am already looking forward to who will be in match part four come next year. Now, George, I believe you have a trivia question to answer. I do.
1: I do. Uh, Here's my thought. I know it's not South Carolina that they unfortunately lost to in the Xfinity Center. That was too early in the season.
0: And, George, before you actually answer it for our listeners, I will repeat the question if they were not tuned in in the beginning. So the question, today's Terp trivia question for George was the Lady Terps, the Lady Terps women's basketball went on an 18-game win streak, including this year's win over Davidson. Their first loss came yesterday against Missouri State 81 to 72. Prior to yesterday's loss, they won eighteen in a row. George, who was that team they lost to?
1: Yeah, it wasn't the South Carolina loss last season against Don Staley's team. That was too early in the season. I was there as a tough loss. I really think that the last time that they took a loss before this game was at the University of Iowa.
0: That is correct. They lost sixty six to sixty one in the on the road,
1: I believe, right? On the road. Yep. Because I was at that home game when they played Iowa at the end of the season. They gave out, uh, you know, like posters or whatnot. I went to the game. I remember, and then I remember the storyline was that was the last team that beat them. So I wanted to go see them, but at that game, Maryland knocked the snot out of them at home. It wasn't even close. Um, but yeah, I remembered that they lost them on the road. I'm like, I'm gonna see them when they come back to the Xfinity Center. So, I believe that's my second correct win, sir.
0: Yes, uh, you you got two. I think you're you're 500 at trivia right now. I think I'm only like 33. I gotta I gotta up my game.
1: It's all right. I'll have one for you on
0: Thursday when we come back. Oh, I'm already. Gonna, I'm gonna mentally prepare myself. I mean, I gotta. I, my 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 standings. They gotta go up. I mean, I'm trailing by too much here. But nonetheless. Before we head out, we would like to here at WMUC Sports and Turbulence would like to congratulate Sarah Fuller, senior at Vanderbilt, for becoming the first female FBS player to play and pad up and suit up in a Power Five game yesterday. Vanderbilt was shut out 41 to nothing, but nonetheless, she had the opportunity to come in for a kickoff in the second half. And it seemed like it was a pooch kick. George, you and I were talking about it. It seemed like it was a purposeful pooch kick on the right near side um, of the sidelines on the field. But Nonetheless, congratulations, Sarah. It's amazing that you've done that. And she is the third woman in general to suit up in an FBS game. So congratulations to Sarah and her family. We hope to see many more to come in the future. So for George and I here at WMUC Sports turbulence, we wish you A nice end to your weekend, and we will see you on Thursday. Take care, ladies and gentlemen.